Hi, welcome back to the FASD Family Life Podcast. This is Season 4, Episode 22. I'm Robbie Seal, your host, FASD specialist and parent with 30 years lived experience. I'm the mom of five incredible people, including three teens diagnosed with fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. And as an FASD specialist, it is my passion to help families thrive. To learn more about me and my work, check out my website, FASDFamilyLife.ca. Fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, or FASD, refers to a constellation of disorders resulting from prenatal exposure to alcohol. The manifestations include birth defects, developmental disabilities, and neurological and behavioral problems. Prenatal alcohol exposure is the most common preventable cause of birth defects, and fetal alcohol spectrum disorders are the most commonly identifiable causes of developmental delays and intellectual disabilities. Fetal alcohol spectrum disorder is a common disability impacting 1 in 20 people in the general population in the U.S. 1 in 20. That is nearly three times more common than autism. And according to research, the prevalence of FASD is significantly higher in special populations, such as children and youth in care. That includes international, private, and state adoptions, kinship care, and foster care. The prevalence is also significantly high among individuals involved in the criminal justice system. FASD is everywhere. It's a global health issue that continues to be maligned by stigma and misinformation. And that's why I decided to take this podcast on a world tour to raise awareness amongst all of us that FASD isn't just a local issue or an issue related just to a certain segment of the population, but really it's everywhere. Let's take a look at FASD internationally and to celebrate those champions who are working hard to prevent FASD and support the people and their families with FASD in their local countries. This week, I'm in the Netherlands, where it is estimated 2,000 babies with FASD are born annually. I'm speaking with Ninka, a foster and adoptive parent of 13 children, and Luca, who is with the White Forest Foundation. And we're learning about an innovative photo book project that was undertaken in 2013 to raise awareness of fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. The FAS project started as a journalistic initiative to raise awareness for FAS, but eventually developed into a big multimedia awareness campaign showing the dangerous consequences of alcohol consumption during pregnancy. By storytelling, the project raises attention to a relatively unknown problem in a personal way. The FAS project started in 2013 and was completed in the summer of 2022. The project consists of the book called Children with FAS or Kinder Mitt FASD. There's films, expositions, a college tour, buddy projects, and so much more. I invite you to settle in with a nice hot cup of coffee with me and join in my conversation with Ninka and Luca about the FAS project and FASD work that's happening in the Netherlands. I saw a video of you where you were uh, interviewed and then you uh, also told you went to conferences uh, mm-hmm. about FASD and sneaked in. And Yes, yes. Yeah. Well, right. Like I couldn't afford to go. I wanted to learn everything. Mm-hmm. But it was like four or five hundred dollars to go to this conference. And I'm like, I'm a single mother with five kids. Where is that supposed to come from? And I thought that was just so unjust because all the professionals are going and they need to be there too, but who even more than the parent? Mm -hmm. 
So I dressed up in my conference clothes and I walked in and they they gave me the conference tote bag with all the notes and I took in everything. I learned everything. Yeah. Yeah. But in Holland, it's the other way around. But in Holland, there are no conferences for doctors and nurses. And the only one who, only one lady in the north of uh, Holland, she started FAS Stichting. So it's like a a volunteer job. and and So there's no training for professionals. So that's really not helpful either, because now the parents have all this information, bring to the professionals, Mm -hmm. and the professionals have never heard it before. So they just think that you are making stuff up. I think in 2012, then uh, this doctor came, uh, studied in South Africa, and he came to Holland, and then he started to train a few nurses. He's now retired. When I knew him, it was 2013, and then he was already about 70 years old and still working only because of the FASD. He only wanted to give all this information and train people. And then Allard, the Witte, the boss of Lucke, contacted a few parents and we were one of them. And then he came also to our house. He wanted to make pictures and he wanted to know those children. The photos he made for the book are children who were adopted. So adopted parents can give permission, but foster parents cannot. Our son had his pictures in our local library. Big pictures, meter by half a meter, and was so so proud. And he brought his class, and he said, "I I'm famous, so happy." Since then, every year we have contact with uh, Alad about new projects he's doing. So maybe Luca can take over now. I can tell something about what we do. The literal translation of the organization is the White Forest. His name is. De Witte. And um, under the White Forest, there's multiple projects. And one of the projects is the FAS, F-A-S project. And Allard started it with uh, Joost Bolsa uh, in 2014. He came in contact with the foster mom and heard about the damage alcohol could have on an unborn child. And that's when he and Joost thought, well, this we have to capture this. And the White Forest, as an organization, uses storytelling uh, because it's a journalistic, with a journalistic approach. And to really show that impact that uh, this syndrome, fetal alcohol syndrome, have, uh, has on the, on the children and also the parents and other involved people. They thought we want to make a photo book of this. Um, and they made over like 100 portraits of of children with FAS and I think five or six children children come uh, back in the photo book and also with some atmo- atmospheric stories really to give a personal insight into their lives and to feel what it is to live with the syndrome uh, to feel what it means for these children and uh, and the involved people to to live with with FAS and the book gained a lot of publicity uh, in uh, 2014, then it became a whole project, and that was uh, something Allard and Joost did not expect that it would become so big, and they could do more things, which has become a really important part. Is the Buddy Project, and their children with FAS are matched with a student or a vol- volunteer with a background in care or social work, something like that, and they do things together, fun things one-on-one. So the child or the young adult with FAS really gets the attention 
they often want and they want to be seen. So that's really the, the aim of the body project. And Ninka's uh, son, uh, Ronaldo, still is now this year too in the body, body project. Maybe Ninka can tell something about it. <laughs> yes, we um, four years ago, we had our first body. Uh, through the FASA project and she's still with us because in Holland we can get some money from the government to pay somebody who's helping out with uh, our children if there is mental problems or their IQ is really low or so first she started as a buddy but it was such a good connection between them that she is still with us (laughs) and then we got another girl who was studying for a social work and then uh, she stayed for one year and what they are doing is every year Allard is uh, makes up a, a, a like a competition or a book or something they work on together so it starts with getting to know each other through um, a project or um, things they have to do together and then uh, from there can be a real relationship between them. Um, they do things together. And for me, it's like two or three or four hours rest or I uh, pause my the stuff I want to do. Uh, for example, he cannot stand hearing the vacuum cleaner. The floors cannot be wet. A lot of things I can do when somebody is with him. They uh, start with doing things close to me and then they start to do things around the house. And sometimes they they go even by car and go somewhere. And But they ha- start, they have to know what his ticks are, his problems, his... I only can let him go when she can read him. Like, yeah. what is wrong with him? Is he happy or not? Because his facial expressions are low and... Um, he has a lot of things he repeat. He repeats like words or uh, moves or uh, even hurting himself. They have to know what is going on. So, for example, last week they went to um, a playground and there was also a lot of noise. And suddenly he started to complain about his tummy was aching and he was not feeling well. That's only a sign he has too many questions and he cannot ask all those questions together and then he needs a lot of answers. So you have to go out of this situation, ask him what not is what is wrong, but what questions do you have? And then he asks his questions, then he gets answers and then it's okay. That's exactly right. But if you know how to handle it and you say, what questions do you have? Then you're meeting him right where he is and he's able then to ask all his questions and then he can feel like he's in more control of the situation. He understands the situation. Yeah, and then he's coming home and then he's like, oh, victory, I I made it. All yeah. those hours outside. And But every year we have to make a decision if we want to do another project with another girl or this girl can stay. But now he asks us, is there a boy also? I want a boy this year. So <laughs> how old is your how old is he? Uh in July he will be 10 years old. Of course. That makes sense. Yes. Because if he's with a girl, it's gonna look like he's with a babysitter. Yes. Yeah. If he could be out with a guy, it, it could look more like, oh, it's my big brother or it's a friend, and then they can play football together. Also, it's male role modeling for him. And he mm-hmm. needs that too. How how do I be a guy out in the world? 
what Nika said about the fun is the really the most important thing in the in the project for us in general because not only in the body project but also to really show the lightness also in the it is a really heavy subject but also show what these children are capable of and how funny they are and how creative they are. And in the body project, we really want to uh, take that to the surface. And with also the aid of the little projects Ninka also already um, mentioned, so they can flock together video blogging or uh, they can do a photo diary, uh, working on a photo diary, but they also can do a wish project. So maybe the child really has a big wish. wish. Uh, one of the couples uh did a visit to the mayor because the, the girl with FES really wanted to be, become famous and uh, meet famous people. So we arranged the visit to the mayor. So th- these are these are things the, the couples can be very creative in on their own. And it's also supporting the project in its creativity because the inputs of these children and the inputs of the parents, the inputs of the, the, the bodies, that makes this project. That's what we want to show. And project is really person-centric so that the individual, the child, youth who has FASD says, I really want to, I want to be famous. I want to meet the mayor. And rather than saying, well, you're not going to be famous, like dream smaller. You know, we say, well, what, what does being famous mean to you? Who do you want to meet? And then you you're helping to fulfill the goals of the individual with FASD. And it's, that's so important because then they build a sense of, personal strength, personal efficacy, really important that we build up skills in them so that they feel and and learn that they're capable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And of course, there are also hard things and that's what we show too. And also uh, the growing up, the the main, uh, the red thread in our project is that we follow five uh, main characters, really, those are real children with it. And each year make photos again and mini documentaries of them. And shows really their development and the, their journey to adulthood because they become older too. And how does it look? And can the dreams become reality? And yes. what can happen and what cannot happen? And that's also we want we show in the line of the project. Nika, you were talking about that with your aide. Your aide, the buddy who goes out with your child, needs to know what his tics are, what his anxieties are. And if you say, "Oh, I see you're feeling anxious." That might not help if you say, Hey, let's come, let's go, let's go have a little chat. You're not in trouble. Let's go have a little chat. What are your questions? Mm-hmm. If you know what to say, then you get to the heart of the issue. And yeah. that's so important. Yes. Um, a lot of uh, people think, okay, the biggest problem of them is autism. And mm-hmm. the whole, the picture people have about autism is like, not uh, verbal, not um, reacting, no facial expression. With all of them, we saw signs of autism. But even those are, like you are telling in in, um, in most of the podcasts, FASD is a complex thing. And every child with FASD is so different. And there are similarities, but it's so different. Um, Absolutely. For the children. That's their overarching uh, disability. That's the overarching medical diagnosis that they have. And they are much more than that. They are also people who have interests and temperaments and likes and dislikes and passions and, and sensory challenges and language challenges. But they're more than just disability. 
you know, and so as we're looking at our individuals who have FASD, they may be struggling in a certain area and it may be related to the FASD as well as their temperament. You know, I have two children that are very introverted. So I would, I thought that it was FASD that was uh, getting in the way or causing a challenge for them to be socially engaged or go in large crowds. Well, FASD is part of that very much. I can never negate that, but it's also the fact that they're introverted. Being around too many people is exhausting. We have to always bear in mind FASD, but there's more to that. It's also mm-hmm. the trauma history, the family mm-hmm. temperaments, the individual's temperament. Um, it's a combination of all those things. Yeah. And it's, and it, they keep being just individuals and that's, really important to focus on because FASD is such a broad spectrum. And one of the phrases we use is if you've met one child or one individual, let's not say child, because FASD is across the lifespan. So yeah, it, it's mainly that we say uh, have uh, talk a lot about children because that's the focus yeah. of our work. Yeah, we do focus also on adults. We had a project for adults too, but the main focus of our work is on children, yes. I love it. Okay, let me come back to the focus of your work. So the focus of your work is to document the real life experience of an individual as with a child with FASD and maybe their family experiences as well. What else has that done? So it's raised awareness. Has it affected any policies in terms of education or social supports or government policies? Uh, I don't know about government policies, but I think... With the focus we take, taking the personal perspective and the journalistic approach that it really already impacts when you see the work Allard has made. We have made books, a podcast, uh, we did several projects, a lot of expositions, a lot of congresses, readings. Um, and we, yeah, we really approached the organization also themselves. So we really... <laughs> Uh, go straight in the field to erase this awareness. But also the project really speaks for itself. I think the biggest strength of the project that it already uh, in one instant uh, impacts you and people think, what is this? Um, and then the stories of the children uh, and, the, and the adults. They, when they, Alad started eight years ago, he was always asking us, what groups do I forget? What do, who yeah. do I have to contact? So we started with the doctors in the hospital who do the deliveries. And then the midwives, he sent all the midwives, he sent all the midwives a book. Uh, and he put a letter with it and he asked the midwives to read it and then put it in their waiting room. So moms could see it. Also, when you see those pictures and then you think about like your nephew, Yes. Yay. Now I see. We also have this story of a foster mom uh, when the photo book came on the journal, on the news, because (laughs) it was also on the the news and on hosting shows uh, on television. When this photo book came on TV, one foster mom, she thought, this is so similar to the face of my son. And I never thought about this, but... I think this is it because she related it to her story and that's how she came in contact with us. And that's how her son got her, his diagnosis. And that's why you do this also, of course. Absolutely. Because when people get a diagnosis that then they understand, Oh, my brain works differently. 
now it's incumbent upon the parent, a grandparent who's raising a child, it's incumbent upon them to learn everything they can about this now medical diagnosis of fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, learn Mm -hmm. and realize that now we have to adapt our parenting. All of our best practices of parenting don't work with this population. We need to be very creative and think differently. We have to think brain first. I always talk about brain-based parenting, having that, that understanding of that disability so that when you're seeing behaviors that are surprising, unpredictable, challenging, those are not usually willful behaviors. Most of all, it's a non-competency that leads to that non-compliance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. So this book has been sent to the obstetricians, the gynecologists, the midwives. How about to universities where social workers are being trained? We teach on, uh, yes, universities and on uh, schools to uh, about FASD uh, for studies uh, focused on social work, but also doctors and also physiotherapy, everything which children with FASD can come into contact with. The whole aim of the project is this recognition and with the aid of this book, but it's for more professionals all over the world and many organizations can use this maybe just to put it in their waiting room or to show it to parents or people can see it, grab it, go through it, read the stories about the children, watch the photos that are in it. And it's also in an English and German translation. And we still have a lot of copies of it. So uh, if you know or if any parties are interested in it, contact us because it's so important that, our, that there's more knowledge about this. Of course, you will. I, there are so many more children touched by alcohol that we don't, don't know about and that have different diagnoses than, than FAS maybe yes. or FAS. But unless the doctor knows or the assessing physician or clinic knows to ask, was there alcohol exposure during pregnancy? Also has the confidence to to take a step back and to see the whole picture, try to see the whole picture and not to dive in all the different sub elements that is focused on already so much. I'm so pleased that you were doing this work. I'm so happy to hear about it and to help you raise the profile you know, because you've been listening to the podcast and thank you so much. The podcast is listened to worldwide. I have listeners in South Africa, in the Czech Republic, and then of course, Canada, the US, obviously Netherlands. We do this to raise awareness. This isn't about me and it's not about you. It's about these people who have FASD and let's raise the profile. Let's break down the stigma so that we yeah. can all do better. The website. It's fasproject.nl slash uh, e N. But and they can also go to fasproject.nl and then click on the American sign. Okay, wonderful. So I hope that everybody who's listening is is as interested in this as I am and wants to get this photo book. And it will help, you know, too, as we are trying to maybe inform our own families, our own friends, that fetal alcohol spectrum is real because some people, mm-hmm. some don't believe us. If we happen to have this photo book in our homes, People in our lives might become curious and look at that and go, oh, yeah. And then spark their own interest and desire to learn more about it themselves. Yeah. And also hear the stories from the children that are ready for to look at it uh, and really uh, recognize also, oh, I'm not the only one. And uh, hey, do other children or other adults feel the same way? And that can also be really nice. We're normalizing their experience. Mm -hmm. 
and taking the stigma out. Stigma has to be reduced, first of all, in our own families. Also, not only the stigma on FSA, but just in general, the stigma on for the women that have drunk during their pregnancies. Yes. Because otherwise, we will never know that those children uh, are affected. And statistically, what's the prevalence rate in uh, Holland? It's really difficult to say because there are no Dutch studies. Around 135 to 400 children are born uh, annually uh, with FAS. And FASD numbers are five to six times estimated to be five to six times higher. That makes sense. So let's clarify what we mean by that. I think and the most clear thing is that FAS differentiates because it has the facial features. That's all it is. And FASD, uh, 80% of the children with FASD, so that's the, yeah. the the whole term for all the alcohol-related subtypes there are. Uh, and 80% of these individuals in that spectrum don't have the facial features. So This is why we also say it's an invisible disability. What would be your closing remarks? Yeah, Nika, mom of... Oh, yeah. Hundred children, Nika. What would you say? <laughs> yes, to bring those things uh, together, uh, you told about uh, uh, about the numbers and uh, and also the book, uh, Lucas. Uh, uh, every year we have a last meeting, and then all the children and their buddies come together. And one of our foster children, not the one who's living with us now, but the part-time one who lived with us years before, and then uh, he said. Uh, looks like all those children are my brothers and sisters. They look all the same. So a child can see not the, only the facial things, but also like what you're telling us, the the, the stature, how, how people are walking, how they behave, how they um, approach each other. It felt like family. He doesn't know his real family, but he saw his family there on those yes. meetings. So beautiful. Uh, emphasize on uh, the children will think they are difficult and they are uh, stubborn and we are walking around them to and, and to help them and to assist them and we do everything for them and a lot of people cannot understand why you're doing this but they are so unique and they are so pure and everybody we get the first thing they recognized in those children are they are so pure they have their the most beautiful responses they have um how they look at things how and this is a person who has a disability they didn't choose this so let's wrap our love around them let's wrap this all of the supports not just from family but professionals as well let's wrap supports around them so that they can do well in their lives thank you so much ladies this has been a really wonderful conversation Thank you for uh, hosting us. My pleasure. And I want to ask you, say hi to your daughter, Elizabeth, because I heard a lot of episodes, but I love the fourth one with Elizabeth. It was so good. I, I cried. I I loved it. Thanks, Nika. That's really nice. I'll let her know. Now, you were communicating. It's the same like uh, Ronaldo and I am communicating. So yeah. it was so nice. Yes. Thank you for that. My, my absolute pleasure. Okay. Take good care. Well, what a fun conversation. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. If you're looking for more information about the FAS project, there's links in the show notes and a place where you can order the book if you're interested. Of course, I'd love to hear from you. If you have questions or comments about this show 
or topic suggestions, please email me at fasdfamilylife at gmail.com. And as always, thank you for spending your time with me. I know it's precious. And until next week, remember, the struggle is real and so is success.